You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. Today we're going deep on my boy Vishen Lakiani, and I am here with none other than Dr. Finesse, who is filling in for Agent Smith, who is still on vacation. And by the way, we are coming to you live from the Dust Bowl. <laughs> it is, we're still in the middle of renovations. It is madness in here. Everything is under about an inch and a half of dust. It was total chaos to get started this morning. And I actually said we're coming to you live. We're not. Uh, today, unfortunately, we had to do this really early in the morning, so there's no Facebook Live audience. Nope. 5 a.m. hour. 5 yes. a.m. hour. And we got to get this man back to get his kid. Uh, do you have to take him to school today? Yeah, I have to take him to school today. All right, yeah. so we're going to have to get him back. All right, let's dive <laughs> right in then. Uh, you know, I'm going to begin by asking you something I heard in the interview, which I thought was kind of cool that you mentioned. Um, are entrepreneurs the new philosophers? Wow. Um, ooh, are entrepreneurs and new philosophers? I don't know. I think some are, and Vision certainly comes across. Like, in the interview, I had to ask him that because he was so deep on the philosophy, and you can tell that he's really got this worldview that he's thought through from a thousand different angles and um, really does take a philosophical approach to it. And mm -hmm. he was going so hard on the philosophy that I was like, wow, I know him. And hearing the way that he's processing the world, I, I wasn't even sure if he would say that he felt more of a philosopher and entrepreneur. And that really ties back to his business. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why it came up here. He, his business is about meditation. His business is about education. Um, he's thinking very much about the human condition. And so with him in particular, um, it's, it was, I think, a pretty interesting question. But in general, I don't think most entrepreneurs think of themselves that way but okay. now with um the marriage of social media and having platforms and being out there speaking a lot more i think that in trying to help the next generation really create that framework mentally you're gonna see people um dabbling in that more and more because even now just answering this question i'm thinking well how much do i consider myself a philosopher because um, and I would say the answer to that is virtually none for me. So okay. even though I'm talking about it a lot and I'm thinking about it, what I'm trying to do for my own sake is really um, concretize the world. So I'm trying to turn things into um, rules to live by, shorthand, which there is a word for, and I'm totally blank, heuristics. I'm trying to create my own heuristics. That word took me so long to master, by the way. It literally <laughs> means rule of thumb and why people can't just like say rule of yeah. thumb. I'm not entirely sure. But so I'm trying to come up with those, those um, codified rules by which to live, which A, reduce cognitive load, B, just make it easier to come up with principles and policies and all that. So it might make people sound like philosophers. Um, but a real life philosopher to me is somebody like Sam Harris. And he's mm -hmm. just, it, it's so much deeper mm -hmm. than like certainly where I play. Okay. Uh, you and Vision seem to be aligned with your views on a college education, whether or not you get one, whether or not mm -hmm. you do, whether or not it's needed. I've noticed that um, not just uh, successful entrepreneurs, just, there's kind of a, a, a movement. I don't even want to say a movement, an understanding that it's not necessary. 
uh, amongst the masses more and more these days. I just wanted to get your take on it, especially for our viewers who uh, seem to wonder if it's something that's necessary. Well, I think the real debate isn't whether college is necessary. The real debate is, is college worth the price you have to pay for it, mm -hmm. certainly here in the U.S.? And I don't, I don't know what the rhetoric is internationally, and maybe internationally it's, um, you know, uh, because the cost isn't as high, maybe people aren't as conflicted about it. Mm -hmm. So the real question is, if I graduate now, today, here in the U.S. with a degree, and I have, say, you know, fifty to $100,000 in debt, Am I ever going to be able to recoup that? So now I'll rewind and say the very notion of a formal education is, is in and of itself a non-issue, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the point, right? So the point is, are you good at your job? The point is, can you execute at a high enough level? So always and forever, it will never matter whether you have a degree. It will matter whether you can execute so freakishly well that somebody who is trying to monetize something wants you. Right, So that's at the end of the day, that's what you're looking for. Now, it gets easier maybe to get that first job because we live in a society where it's like you've got this resume and there's this sort of whole weird structure to getting a job where you have to pass. Um, the, the first hurdle is like you yourself can't represent yourself. Mm. So you have to send a piece of paper that has like bullet points about who you are. It's kind of like the intros yeah. to my show, right? So you, you're telling people essentially like here's the resume and then the resume draws you in and then you get a chance to represent yourself. So with that, like it'll always carry a little bit of weight, I think. But mm -hmm. with as more and more entrepreneurs enter um, the point where they're running the company, they're hiring people, and they don't overly value an education, then it really becomes less and less important. So I would tell people just focus on getting really fucking good because saying that you don't need a college degree is not an excuse to loaf your way into mm -hmm. the job market. Like you've got to be a killer, man. So if you're if you're gonna take those four years and not do an education, dude, then you should be um, essentially going into an apprenticeship because you need to get so good they can't ignore you. I love that line. Um, well, on the subject of a college education, uh, Vision says goal setting is, in his words, rubbish. I love the word rubbish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this could be a big subject of debate because I know yeah. a lot of people who need to have goals lined up, a list of goals, yeah. setting goals and accomplishing them. Uh, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on that? So this is a bit like the Mel Robbins motivation is garbage. Uh -huh. Like if you just take his quote and say goal setting is rubbish, um, he's crazy, right? <laughs> and Vision is not a crazy guy. Vision yeah. is so, so smart and what he's done is amazing. So you have to go to the layer deep. What does he mean by that? So he's saying that goal setting is rubbish because he's talking about what he calls the culture scape, right? Mm -hmm. Which is wherever you grow up, it's going to instill certain base assumptions. It's going to give you your heuristics. It's going to give you those rules of thumb by which you judge the world, the way that you navigate it, the things you think and believe. And they make themselves so insidiously into your subconscious that you don't even really realize that they're not objective reality, that it is um, something that you've been taught. So think about growing up in the South, mm -hmm. say back in the early 1900s, right? No. Yeah, like the chances of you being racist are essentially 100, <laughs> right? It's like... it. it it's just that was the culture scale. Yeah, yeah. So growing up in that environment, it seems so natural that you don't realize that that is just, it's, it, there's nothing about objective reality that says that's the way that it has to be. So 
he's trying to get people to break out of that to really challenge their beliefs and assumptions. And so he's saying, if the culture scape has given you all these sort of base assumptions, like you need to go to college, like you need to get good grades, like you need a job that pays a lot of money, and you're setting all of your goals against that, then that's total bullshit. And he's mm -hmm. right about mm -hmm. that. Okay. But now I think that there's something innate to the human animal to want to strive, to want to get good at something, to want to achieve, to pursue. And in that, one of the most powerful mechanisms that you can have is to know exactly what you want. So when I get to what he's really trying to, because he's driven, so yeah, he's got yeah. goals. Yeah. He's just broken himself out of the matrix. He's not thinking about culture scape goals mm. where it's oh well this is what my parents you know taught me and that's how I grew up and so therefore I'm going to you know base my goals on that he's looking inward he's finding those things that make him feel most alive and he's basing his goals on that so it's definitely important what you're allowing to shape your desires what you're allowing to shape your goals but i think having a crystal clear vision of what you're trying to accomplish and then executing against that's critical yeah yeah and, and i get what he means like when i when i first heard that line i was like wait what was he talking about right. when he explained um end goals versus means goals it made perfect sense right and you know we could think of got a number of successful people i know everyone's different but a number of successful people who have uh created goals for themselves and set goals and accomplished them and you know did well for themselves i mean we all know the jim carrey story about the list of goals that he listed um, and put in his father's grave when his father passed away mm. and said, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do that. And he ended up, like, I think accomplishing every single one of those goals. I mean, granted, it wasn't a list that he had facing him. He put it in a, in a casket that <laughs> was buried, but I think that's kind of a cool story. But, I mean, it kind of was end goals pretty much on that list. Anyway. Well, man, it's so, it's, you, I just got the chills. It's interesting that you bring up Jim Carrey because he said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous so that you'll realize it's not the answer. Uh, that's a line. To, yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, because yeah, I got the chills again. So he obviously has struggled with depression. That's right. That's a right. hilarious guy. And yet for himself, when he's off, like doesn't have that, you would think like just full of joy. Uh -huh. and, um, has really struggled quite profoundly with that and thought, you know, hey, when I hit that level of success, I mean, and this is really to Vishen's point, when I hit that level of success, then I'll be who I want to be, I'll feel the way that I want to feel. And this is the thing that I always want to convey to people about money. Fame is powerful. Wealth is powerful, but not in the ways that you think. Because what people think is going to happen, you look at somebody who's famous, you look at somebody who has financial means, and there's a level of admiration that we put on them. And so you think, I will feel that way about myself if I have that, and you're not going to. So the way that you feel about yourself is totally, it's not tied to money. It's tied to, I'm trying to become something, framework happiness, right? Yeah. And I've put in the work, I've been disciplined, I did the hard things, I kept going, I improved myself. Like, those are the things, and honestly, it comes down to what have you told yourself that you're gonna be proud of, right? Yeah. And then did you accomplish those things? So a lot of people like to whip themselves and push and do all of that that they need to do to become really successful. A lot of times it's, you know, my 80-20 rule, right? So 80% of the time you should be focused on all the beauty, all the amazing, miraculous things, how good you are, how yeah, worthy yeah. of love, all of that. And only 20% of the time, like kicking your own ass, beating yourself up. And I think people flip that a lot. Yeah. They spend way too much time on the negative. They obsessively think about all the ways that they're inadequate and all that. And while that's powerful to do a little bit, when you do it too much, you derail. So 
you know, really understanding what are you building your self-esteem around because that's absolutely critical and matters a lot. Uh-huh. And if you're valuing yourself on something that's external, that's not internal, then it's always going to be this really tenuous thing because it can go away, right? So like if I valued myself on my money, I know this could go away. Like I'm hyper aware of mm-hmm. how transient money is, right? Mm-hmm. That you have it today. Like it, I only need remind myself of Lisa's family. So her um, mother is from Cyprus. Her father is from Cyprus. And the reason that so many people left Cyprus and moved to the United Kingdom was because there was an invasion from Turkey into the island. And so generational wealth just evaporated overnight. Gone. Wow. The, the house that you grew up in, gone. Like the military comes and seizes it. Like it mm. doesn't exist anymore. So... All of that stuff. And it doesn't have to be that. It could be anything. It could be an illness in the family. It could be economic collapse. It could be bad decisions. I mean, it could be a thousand things. Like money is transient. It's external. And since I know that I can't control it, to base anything of myself on that, Uh that's suicide. (laughs) So like you've got to have something internally, right, that you judge yourself by. And for me, it's all the, I mean, you know, all the things I've already talked about with discipline, that I, or not discipline, but identity, that I'm willing to do the work, that I'm willing to push myself, that I'm willing to stare at my inadequacies and improve them, that I um, identify the right answer faster than anybody else. I don't focus on being smart. Like somebody just um, wrote me, it was a very, very kind and lovely comment on YouTube. And my original, I deleted it, but my original response was going to be, because he said, you know, look, you shouldn't keep saying that you're not smart. Mm-hmm. And because he's thinking that I value myself on that and he thinks that somehow that's a knock to my ego. But in, rem- in saying that I'm not the smartest person, I'm reminding myself that's not valuable to me mm. and that I don't need to worry about being smart, that I need to focus on identifying the right answer, that I need to focus on being the learner and that the unsaid thing is I'm insanely proud of myself for that. I'm insanely proud of myself for learning. I'm insanely proud of myself for identifying the right answer. So it's like, it's just a reminder. That's powerful. I mean, it's funny how that came full circle like that, but that's extremely powerful. And I think it's one of those things that no matter how many people hear that who hasn't achieved success yet and been able to compare it to their own happiness, uh, they still deny it. You know what I mean? I think people are just like, no, no, money does solve a lot of problems. I'm really broke right now and I won't be happy unless I have an abundance of money and wealth right. and then I can focus on my internal happiness. But I think it's one of those things that it doesn't fully get through to people because they just don't completely get it. I mean, and I'm saying that because sometimes in my head I think... Yeah, but it could solve a lot of problems. But, but here's the thing. So A, I'm hell-bent to help you generate wealth in your life. Uh-huh. And then B, here's the thing. Money solves money problems. Mm. So mm. the reason it will forever mess with people is because they know it's powerful. They yeah. Like you can feel it. It's like mm, yeah, I can yeah. make this problem go. Like there are things that you stress about right now that when, when you have money, you will stop stressing about. Mm-hmm. I promise. Yeah. So, and it is wonderful and amazing. It just does not affect how you feel about yourself. Yeah. It will massively affect how you think about Ellison's future, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So, it's powerful. I think wealth creation is important. I think people should be striving for it and because of the problems it will make go away for you. Mm-hmm. But to put off doing the internal work to feel good about yourself right now today, that's a mistake. Yeah, I think a, a good way uh, to feel good about wealth and the problems uh, that it eliminates uh, is not necessarily for yourself. It's something you guys talked about 
and in particular, uh, Vishen quoted the Dalai Lama, if you want to be happy, make other people happy. Yeah. And uh, that's important in how? Like, well, how do you see importance in that, in that comment? Um, the way that the human animal is wired, mm -hmm. we had to become good at being a group species. So the one thing that humans have going for them is intellect, the ability to use culture to immediately amass a large group of people. So this is, I love talking about this stuff because one day, I have the chills again, <laughs> one day people are really gonna understand what we're doing with impact theory. And one of the things that we're trying to leverage is, let's say you're mother nature, and okay. let's say you've really gotta have this animal that is super weak, has no like, um, amazing mandibles, no claws, uh, no super strength, no amazing agility, not even very fast. So how do I take this, essentially one of the weaker animals in the animal kingdom, at least from an apex predator standpoint, <laughs> and how do I really like make them powerful? And the answer has been for humans, the ability to amass in really large groups in coordinated ways. And the way that we do that is, is essentially through culture, which is ironic talking about this with vision, because there is a, a dangerous sort of downside to that. But we're able to come together to have things like a spirit animal, and you know, we all rally around because the lion is our, and I mean, if look, look in a modern context, religion, countries, nation states, all of that stuff, those are the things that give us a sense of, uh, a sense of group and identity and bring us together. Mm. Now, <laughs> I do not remember why we started all of this. <laughs> Well, basically, uh, we were talking about um, if you want to be happy, make other people happy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So <laughs> if you want to um, then leverage to do that, like we have to have this sense of group cohesion, of bonding. So from a neurochemical standpoint, you've got to reward this weak animal for coming together to feel good about being a part of a tribe, ah. to make sure that people feel good about being a part of a tribe. There needs to be a neurochemical release that feels good. Um, bonding chemicals, vasopressin, oxytocin, um, things that come together that make us feel connected and bonded. Um, and so in doing that, there is a huge chemical reward for helping other people, for ladling out a bowl of soup at a homeless shelter, for teaching. Like when I stop and think about why do people teach, it doesn't, Christopher, it doesn't make sense. You are wildly underpaid. You are freakishly overworked. Mm. But that sense of like helping shape these kids who mm. are going to go on to do something. Why do people parent? That's Christopher. <laughs> that one is so crazy. I have opted out. <laughs> All right. So that's just, that is straight literal madness. It's crazy why you're doing it. Too. Right? Yeah. But oh God, like it feels so <laughs> good. So we're wired for it. We are, we are a social animal. And so I think he is really, really right about that. Like the way to really feel fulfilled, focus on other people. It just, mm -hmm. it, from a neurochemical standpoint, it is the holy grail. If you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy for you to start, run, and grow your business. 
It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you, back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Yeah, I agree. And I think it comes down to you know, uh, a relative talk at a, a topic about parenting. Um, it's something he had mentioned, um, but, which I found very, very fascinating because I think you're forever learning when you're parenting. Uh, it's almost like running a business, so to speak. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a business that is never going to be profitable. Uh, yeah, but yes, it has yes. all the same yes. like pains. And you want to talk about something that you really care about. Like if we mess up the business, so be it. Yeah. Messing up a kid does not sound fun. Exactly. And uh, your employees are very crazy. <laughs> <laughs> very crazy and they're hard to understand. And they really want bananas on their oatmeal. <laughs> yeah. Let's be real clear about that. Exactly. So he talked about the meaning-making machine. Yeah. And uh, I love that term, the meaning-making machine, because it gives you a different way of looking at uh, how to understand what they're thinking and what you're doing to influence them. Yeah. And uh, you, uh, you'd mentioned something to me that I'd heard of, but uh, it's one of those things that helped me parent and understand my son. And it's getting into the brain. Is it the prefrontal cortex? Yeah. And so it's not fully formed until when? 25. That is nuts. That is nuts. That is nuts. So on the subject of the meaning-making machine and trying to uh, get inside the brain of something that's growing and forming, uh, you seem to, to to learn more and more about the brain and how it works based on what you've read and mm. the people we've had on the show. What are your thoughts on his uh, topic of the meaning-making machine? Dude, it, A, I have totally um, just stolen his language around that. So when he said that, that was one of those, one of my favorite comments to get on YouTube is, dude, you really seem like you're trying to learn from your guests. Mm-hmm which is absolutely true. And when he said meaning making machine, I was like, oh my God, like, so one, read the book Hitmakers. It talks about how much language influences us, things that rhyme or perceived to be more true. Mm. Uh, the beauty of language makes something stick and also makes it seem more true. So that notion of a meaning making machine just really, really stuck with me. It, it, is, it is true and then it also just sounds true. Um, but we, we really are. We're interpreting the world at all times. We're extracting meaning. And that's why, like, so part of, 
impact theory has always worried me a little bit because the answer to me saying no bullshit, what would it take to end generational poverty, which for me is mindset, it's not about money. I really need better words for it, just it sounds good. Um, but really is about like that, the, the poverty of mindset. When I realized, oh my God, the answer is return, me returning home. Like imagine if you were trying to solve a grand world problem and you said, where, where do I need to go? And no matter what the answer is, I'm open to that. Where do I need to go? The top of the Himalayas, uh, into a desert, into a war-torn country. And the answer was Southern California. <laughs> You'd be like a little suspicious, right? Like, is that just what I want it to be? <laughs> And when I realized that the answer was narrative, that it was driven largely by understanding human psychology, that it was like how we get across these ideas and that the way to do it by lowering the, because you know, making a movie or making a TV show is so expensive that one of the early access points to that is gonna be comic books. I was like, oh, <laughs> right. You know, this is really just me sort of doing wish fulfillment. And then like the more studies I looked at and the more that I, cause I've been, this isn't, this wasn't me thinking about this in the last year. This is, I've been thinking about this for more than 10 years. Okay. And so when Zuda comics first came out, which I haven't, I don't think I've talked a lot about Zuda publicly. When Zuda comics came out, I was heartbroken. This was more than 10 years ago. I think roughly 10 years ago. Sorry. Um, I was heartbroken cause I thought somebody beat me to it and I didn't have the resources at the time to pull it off. And so this, is, this has really been a long time to think about it. I think it's a really, really powerful access point um, because of the way that storytelling allows us to really create things for people to, one, for us to put a ton of meaning, for people to then extract that meaning. And for some reason, I think in comic books, the types of people that are drawn to that are more eager to extract that meaning. And so marrying now the social world to the traditional narrative world so that people can extract the meaning. I think Vision is right. He didn't talk about that, but I think he's very right about the fact that we are creating meaning of what we see at all times. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that creating an environment where you're putting a lot of meaning into something and then helping people learn how to extract that to put to use in their life is, is just a, a critical strategy. So to sum all of that up, I think he is so right. I've dedicated the rest of my life to it. That's amazing. Uh, and he said later on in the interview that human beings are growth driven machines. Mm. And that kind of comes back to what you're saying now. I remember you mentioned last week and Jay Sammons after impact that you had to keep reminding yourself that, You've achieved success, but it isn't your end game. Right. Like you've achieved it now from here. I got to continue to grow. So when he said that we're growth driven machines, I thought that was very powerful because, uh, I mean, you get to a point you feel stagnant and you continue no matter what you get. And I can think of tons of successful people. They get to a point. There is no peak. There's mm -hmm. no summit. They just continue to go. And I think that's what uh, defines a successful person. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, man. So I, I really, really, so let's take it back to Strahan for a second, mm -hmm. Michael Strahan. So I remember him. So one of the first things we bonded over was the matrix. And he said, the matrix really changed my life because in a game, if I got a sack, I would think I got my sack mm. and I, I got one. I couldn't possibly mm. get another. Mm -hmm. And then he sees the matrix and realizes that those are limitations that he's put on himself. And that just because I got one, why couldn't I get another? That to me is the terrifying thing about success. So, and I, you know, even found that slipping into my own mind where it's like, well, I've, I've had my success. That's what the voice was saying. I've had my success as if it were like, 
there's sort of one moment of victory that you get and then that's it. And I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that's so subtle and insidious, like that you can't even think like that. You've, for me, like always driving and striving, like that is the nature of the human animal. And I forget it was somebody that I interviewed. I'm forgetting now who it was. I want to say John Rady, but I actually don't think it was John Rady. Um, but somebody said that we're an active species. Okay. And I always like that. Meaning, if you put a human being into any environment, it's going to try to first understand it mm-hmm. and then um, dominate it, for lack of a better word, to, to gain control of it, right? Mm-hmm. And you can tie that into Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We need control and stability. But you put us into any environment and we're going to try to do something with it. People aren't just going to, excuse me, we're not just going to sit back and chill. Um, You're going to go in and you're going to essentially, one thing to think about, we're going to build society, right? And then we're going to try to climb society. And and then once we've mastered this planet, then we're going to move on to the next planet. You could just see it, right? Mm -hmm. We're we're explorers. So it's not like we're still chilling on the plains of the savannah. It's like first we moved out of that region and then the next region. And now you can literally find humans on every part of the globe. Mm. And then now that we've mastered the globe, it's like now we're trying to get to other planets. And that's just the nature of the species, which of course plays into why in the matrix, the machines refer to us as a virus because we're the only animal that doesn't seek... um, homeostasis within an environment to find like what is our balance here we take it over and then we have to move on so it's like there's not always but there's very often like a side effect to something that it's like both powerful and then ultimately can be a bit dicey so uh yeah it's it is a very interesting part of being a human but i think to fail to recognize that is to never really find Mm. that thing that feels good internally that, wow, that's that is powerful to think about it uh, in a broad scope of what we've done historically uh, in our explorers and how we can, uh, you know, capture that and uh, help ourselves grow in our own lives. And you really want to get crazy for a second, uh-huh. like to really understand the human animal. Ha- do a search for like um, North Atlantic wave. North Atlantic wave. Yeah, okay. just to see like the ocean is dark. And foreboding, it <laughs> yeah. it is coming for you, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Like the there is nothing, at least for me, there's nothing more terrifying than the dark abyss of the ocean. Mm. Okay, now, <laughs> at a time, people actually believed the Earth was flat, yeah. and that at the end there were gigantic beasts <laughs> yeah. that waited to consume you, and people still built boats and yeah. sailed out into the world. Like, what are yeah. you doing? And it back in the day, it was like the most dangerous job you yeah. could have was to be in some sort of um, maritime uh, occupation. Mm-hmm. And that I think the average life expectancy of a pirate was like three years. Jeez. I mean, it's just, it's, dude, what is going on? But people look out at the unknown and they can't help themselves. They cannot yeah. help themselves. Yeah. That is the human animal, to just go. Did you see the documentary where... Um, James Cameron built the submersible to go to the bottom of the Marianas Trench. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That, what was that called again? I forget what it's called, but that's just terrifying. Yeah, I don't remember what it's called either. Yeah. But about the first time, so he, they go in and they're like in the bay or something and they drop down, I don't know, a couple hundred feet. And he's in it and it makes this really loud pop sound. Yeah. Now, he knows at a certain amount of pressure, it just collapses yeah. and, and he becomes what he called yeah. it, a meat cloud, where he's like, you just, in an instant, you're crushed. And he, keeps going uh what like i I don't understand 
but that's that's humans man you know and taking that to another level uh just as crazy um you know putting yourself strapping yourself to a seat and having all that rocket fuel below you yeah and seeing time and time again test models go up in the air and explode like oh okay how can we get that right <laughs> <laughs> you know what okay we've got it right yeah. finally let's put you in a rocket it might happen but it might not but you know we're pretty good at this that to me is crazy to explore what it is to you know go around the earth see earth from above but to put your life in the hands of a bunch of scientists and say like you know i'm gonna just get on top of some jet fuel and shoot up into the air yes (laughs) after seeing time and time again rockets go even if they don't blow up just kind of do this and fall back down yeah it it all comes back to that again like we just want we're viruses like the matrix says that's insane (laughs) that is insane to me it's nuts but hey that's great um, for the record, I, I don't actually think we're viruses. I think <laughs> I can just feel the YouTube comments coming. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So Vishen said uh, we should all live life by questioning everything. I'm going to jump in real quick by saying I got a degree in journalism. And going back, uh, the genesis of journalism in general was to be the watchdog of the government. So mm-hmm. they were supposed to question everything. They can't take what's just given to you at face value and and say, okay, what they're saying is correct, and that's how we should live. Um, so I, I guess post-education with my journalism education, I questioned everything, and I continue to question everything. And uh, Vishen calls it healthy skepticism. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think that um, skepticism can really, really serve you. I think that there's, yeah, questioning everything is exhausting. Yeah. And is not always the way forward, mm-hmm. but I think that it definitely has its place. Um, it's that notion is, man, this is so thank you because this is not something that I've thought a lot about. So mm-hmm. let's really start getting into it. I'm a rule follower. Okay. I'm not a rule breaker, which means by nature, I am, um, I'm not going to push the boundaries. I'm not going to go as far as I could. I'm more likely to be taken advantage of. I'm more likely to, like when I went to Comic-Con, mm-hmm. there was a huge line to get in. And so I naturally assumed, mm-hmm. oh, I need to stand in this line. But mm-hmm. I was with Jim Quick, who in my opinion, at least isn't a rule follower as <laughs> much as I am. And so he just kept saying like, do we really have to wait in this line? Do we really have to wait in this line? And as it turned out, that was line to get tickets and we already yeah. had tickets. Yeah. So if he hadn't been like pushing, like we would have waited in this uh, like hour long line. Yeah. So um, you really have to be careful. And a few times where that's really um, worked against me, like being an entrepreneur, you have to really learn to break the rules. You have to learn to push. Otherwise you get caught in all the traps that people set for you. So going back to what you're saying about the government and that journalism really grew up as a way to question that and not mm-hmm. just to take things at face value, being an entrepreneur is, is really about understanding what rules you can break. Mm. And so I've had to force myself to become a rule breaker And so one of the ways, so people are always asking like, how do you practice like those weird things? Like how do you practice discipline, right? Mm. One of the ways I practice discipline is to have bright lines. I don't eat before 1130 and I'll sit food next to me for like a half hour (laughs) smelling delicious just to like, when I'm I'm really hungry, because then it's like, I'm not going to eat this until 1130. That's just the way that it's going to be. And so in those moments you develop discipline. So I'm not a rule breaker. I like following rules. Oh, it makes me feel so good. Uh And, but that doesn't serve me. So I used to, in front of our house, I used to park facing the wrong way on the street. 
Okay. So you know how in the U.S., like, because in the U.K., it's not that. You can park any which way yeah, you want. It doesn't matter. Right. But here mm-hmm. in the U.S., like, you park the direction of traffic. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so I would literally park in front of my house facing the wrong way. On knowing purpose. On purpose. Knowing that I might get a ticket for it. Now, <laughs> I would do that to remind myself. This is going to be controversial, but this is true. And I would remind myself the rules don't apply to me. Wow. Now, here's the truth. Rules don't apply to anybody. And yet they apply to everybody because there's consequences to that. But in doing that, it really forced me to stop like sliding in with the herd and really start thinking like, what is the real consequence of that? It's like, what, a $100 ticket or something. Uh It is not the end of the world. And for every ticket that you get, you get away with it like literally hundreds of times. So I really started to think like this, you have to look, if something's dangerous, then it's not that you're following a rule, it's that you're being smart, right? So uh-huh. I'm not reckless. I want people to really understand mm-hmm. that. But I decide, I decide what rules I follow and what rules I break based on whether it makes sense. Mm. If it makes sense, then of course I'm going to follow the rule. Yeah. But I'm not going to follow the rule simply because it is a rule. And that was really like eye-opening for me as an entrepreneur because now you start thinking outside the box. Now you're not slipping into... Well, that's the way that it is. That's the way that it's set up. You start pushing back and you start asking questions. You start drilling in and you realize like how many rules are rules simply because they were a rule before. And so people just build onto that rule instead of just going, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm. Like let's get to the logical answer, the thing that propels us forward. And so, yeah, that's, that's a, a big deal. Well, well speaking. I'm not sure it answers your question. No, it actually does. And I, I, God, man, I just, again, I. I'm continuing to learn from this. It's nuts. Um, speaking of rules, uh, there's an example of the real rule and bullshit rule of stayed yeah. by vision. His brules. Yeah, exactly. Bullshit rules. His bullshit rules. Uh, if you can give a couple examples of a real rule and a bullshit rule, whether it's in your life or just in general that you know of in business or in life in general. Well, I mean, we can go with one that we've talked about here. You have to go to college. Um, mm-hmm. You need to make a lot of money. Um, you have to do something that's going to impress your parents. Like those are all bullshit rules. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do any of that stuff. And it really is about looking inward and finding that thing that makes you happy and feel fulfilled. Um, and this is like this is one of his really really powerful things. And I think people lose a lot, a lot of years to doing things they think they're supposed to do, and getting rid of the shoulds, getting rid of I'm supposed to, and really looking at. What is right for me? What excites me? What makes me feel alive? It's Joseph Campbell's um, notion of follow your bliss. Mm. And it's one of those, I know I'm going to say it's on blue in the face and people really just aren't going to do it. Um, Not for a while. And somebody asked a question. So I just did that speaking event. Oh my God, baby, this was what that woman, this is what she was so you guys will see in the, um, the Tom Bilyeu theory, there's this woman comes up and she's like crying, 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 crying. So she sees me the first day and she asks me a question. I could not remember what my answer was. Mm-hmm. And then she sees me the next time and she's like crying. And, but I couldn't quite understand like what she was trying to thank me for. But she was basically saying like you said one thing and it just really like impacted me. And now I remember what it was that I said to her. It was that like what's right for you like mm. just find that thing that makes you happy Mixed like with the human gathering yeah wow. like find that thing that makes you happy do that like really um follow your bliss like don't get trapped by what other people think that you should be doing and 
look, it's one of those things sometimes just to have somebody say it, like you know it sort of deep down inside, but to have somebody say it, like not to be trapped by what other people think. And it, it is really, really, it's probably the most important thing that people need to understand in their life. There is something right now that makes you feel good. It makes you feel alive. And allowing yourself to pursue that is so important. But like, think about Ellison. Mm-hmm. You want him to not have worries. You want him to be proud of himself. You want him mm-hmm. to feel good. At some point, he's going to say he wants to do something that you know will be a lifetime of struggle. Mm. And you're going to fear for that. And you're going to try to like mm-hmm. nudge him like in a direction of something that will be safer. Okay. But if you really turn inward and look at yourself, the struggle isn't what scares you. Feeling dead inside scares you. Mm. But yet when we like advise other people... Like I even I find myself doing it. Like when somebody comes and asks me, and I know like that thing that they really. Why do I do this? Ooh, this will be fun to see if I can figure this out. It's because I don't think they can execute on fulfillment. That's the truth, wow. and and I've not thought about this before. That is exactly why I give people advice that I wouldn't give to myself mm. because I'm so worried that okay, I don't trust them to execute. This is interesting. I don't trust them to execute. Full stop. So now I don't trust them to execute on fulfillment and I don't trust them to execute on um, being sure that they can pay their medical bills and being sure that they can eat and that they have a roof over their head. So it's like pushing them into a safe path where society will catch them into that jet stream Mm -hmm. and take care of a lot of things for them, which is why I think a lot of people tell people to get a job where they're least likely to be fired for the long run. Because at the end of the day, mm. you don't know how they're going to react when the shit hits the fan. <laughs> and so now they're not going to be fulfilled and they're going to go hungry. Wow. That's interesting. Never thought about That's that very... before. But I always have that like deep unease with somebody that like I really, really care about when yeah. they ask me like what they should do. Because it's easy to pontificate on camera because I don't know like half the people watching this. I have no idea. Yeah. So if you're suffering, ah, yeah. like <laughs> it's not real to me. So it's easy to give you the advice I give myself yeah. because I trust myself to execute. But then when somebody I know and love comes and says, what do I do? I'm like, whoa, I can't be flippant with my advice. Mm. I've re- but the reason is that like you're afraid. You're afraid for them. Yeah, I mean, that makes complete sense. That's nuts. Um, final question. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from this episode? There's a few things with vision. One, I think the culture scape is really, really powerful. And when you understand how many of the things that you believe were just handed to you and that you really haven't spent the time to question them and think about whether they're serving you, I think that is really, really important. Um, and then the other is just vision has his own story is fascinating. So his story is basically um, starts following all the things that he thought he was supposed to be. He thought he was supposed to be, what was it, a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. Mm-hmm. He's pursuing that. He's working for Bill Gates. He um, is just playing video games all day because he really is, is not happy being um, a computer engineer and wants to do something else but doesn't know how to do it. Uh, but finally, as he starts to 
shuck off all of the the rules as he calls them mm-hmm. that you know his parents gave him and really start to ask himself like what do I want to do what makes me feel alive he comes across meditation and it really changes his life and helps him be a better salesperson and helps him just be happier in his life and feel better and then decides okay I'm going to turn this into a business and it's hard and it's not easy but he keeps doing it because he loves it and he's passionate about it and then gets to a certain level of success only to realize that he's not happy again. And so like, how do you at all times like use that internal happiness as a barometer? I think it's really powerful. And he's built a big company doing it. And every time that I meet these guys that have had success when they hit their moment of pain, um, and that was another part of that woman that I was speaking to who was crying with gratitude Mm -hmm. is um, sometimes people just have to hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Like they, they have to suffer in order to bounce back and accepting that accepting that getting out of these routines that getting rid of the heuristics that other people have given you those rules of thumb that aren't serving you a lot of times to break free of that it's a moment of anguish Mm. and that certainly was true in my own life and so being willing to channel that anguish in a positive way to get mad as hell and say you're not going to take it anymore to bring it back around to journalism for Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. um and leave in the comments if you get that reference like that (laughs) is uh that's powerful man and and i think that so many times people shy away from the pain instead of leaning into it and i think really taking a red hot minute to to lean into that and say yeah i'm not willing to feel like this anymore that's something that vision has has shown can yield tremendous and beautiful results that's wonderful boom there it is Mm -hmm. all right that was our last question guys thank you so much as always for joining us and dr finesse thank you for getting your ass up super early for doing this i know you have to rush back home to take care of ellison guys this is a weekly show so if you haven't already be sure to subscribe thank you to vision for joining us and until next time my friends be legendary take care everybody thank you so much for listening and if this content is delivering value to you please go to itunes go to stitcher rate and review us that helps us build this community and that is what we are all about right now building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible and you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that all right guys thank you again so much and until next time my friends be legendary take care